Hey, Pachuco. Hey, Pachuco. I will Venmo someone like ten dollars if they can discern what that was. Don't you can't Everyone say it. Everyone knows what that is. No, nope, because hey, Pachuco. Lucas is so bad at singing melodies that for all I know, that could be the Star Spangled Banner. It is, actually. Okay, you just gave it away. I will no longer Venmo you any money if you guess it. Francis Scott Key wrote, Hey Pachuco. basic cable i'm your host carly what's up mother suckers it's lucas quit moving the mic around you're distracting me we had a bit of a technical difficulty <laughs> third time's a charm here earlier this well we had a technical difficulty followed by a relationship <laughs> difficulty <laughs> followed just by like a straight up difficulty <laughs> so now it's saturday <laughs> we started this process what on wednesday yes. fuck me so the first one wasn't our fault. The second one was definitely mostly my fault. And my fault, too. That's, well, that's what relationships are. Don't touch me. Both of our faults. Don't, don't touch me. <laughs> so, yes, we're kind of clearing the deck, refreshing the rundown, some of the stuff we had talked about in a really good episode that we did record on Wednesday, but it was unlistenable thanks to some some mechanical issues. Um we're just clearing that out because it's not really newsworthy anymore. Whatever you're about to do, don't. Whatever. I'm not you're... doing anything. Okay. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> okay. So we're here to talk about some summer TV. I felt like kind of refreshing the rundown to update the fact that it is now officially summer. Yeah. Um, here in Denver, our first day of summer got cloudy at like four o'clock and then rained and dropped down to like 48 degrees. I can't okay, hear what you're whatever saying. you're doing, please stop. <laughs> I'm begging you. Oh. Hey, Pachuco. Okay, so clearly it doesn't sound at all what Lucas was humming earlier. Can you stop before we get sued for copyright infringement? Thank by you. the mask? Thank you. <laughs> You're going to get sued by the mask? Yes, I've made enemies with them. Anyway, summer TV, it's cold outside, it's dark. It's a real great start to summer here in Colorado, but TV, summer it's perfect TV. Perfect TV watching yes. season. It's late June in the Mountain West. That means it's TV time. Exactly. But let's start with some news you can lose. We will be getting to a lot of the summer shows that run the gamut from summer fun and games on ABC to HBO's post Game of Thrones programming. Let us know what you're excited about. Tweet at us at Basic Cable Pod. Instagram with us at Basic Cable Pod. Email us, basiccablepod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. All I really care about is somebody to watch Too Old to Die Young with me. I've told someone to watch it. Who? Brie and Evan. Because they, they like Drive. So okay. I said they would like this. They haven't watched it yet, but I told her to watch it. All right. So I, I have spread the good word. <laughs> too old to die young. Thank goodness. I myself refuse to watch, and actually, I've watched about an hour of it. But it's we'll, we'll you know, great. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Starting with news you can lose. Hey, but you go. Okay. That's my segue. It's uh, come on. All right. Don't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just every time we segue, there's somebody scream that it'll be fun. I would rather you not. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm just trying some different stuff. Well, if you were planning to travel to Greece this summer for the specific purpose of seeing Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club, I have some bad news for you. It's closed. What? <laughs> Lucas had a flight book. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna go to the Lohan Beach Club. So not only will there not be a second season of Lohan Beach Club, Lohan Beach Club itself is gone shut down was there like a interpol raid of all of like the eastern european crime syndicates that were funding that fucking piece of shit <laughs> i don't know because obviously we all know that Lindsay lohan herself clearly did not own this beach club some like you know do they have free cocaine at this beach club because i feel like that would be a selling i don't point. know if it's free there's probably just enough that you could probably just get some but Lindsay lohan didn't own it 
some very shady groups did, and it's no longer there. So I don't know where Lilo is today. I know. Yachting. <laughs> yachting. Okay. She's somewhere in the Straits of Hormuz, yachting with MBS. Pour one out for Lilo. Okay, can just pour it on this computer? In the or beach club. Like, where should I pour it? So there go my summer plans. Uh, today is June 22nd. Happy 37th birthday to one Mr. Johnny Bananas. John Bananas? Happy 70th birthday to Meryl Streep. She's 70? Mm-hmm. So is Elizabeth Warren today. I saw that. I saw they were birthday buddies. I didn't realize Elizabeth Warren was 70. Is that older or younger than you thought? Older? No. Can we just shut the fuck up about all these old white people that are running now? Because Elizabeth Warren is also 70. Can we just agree that none, no one over 70 should be president? This is not a politics podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's not. This isn't Chapo Trap House. I thought I was on Chapo Trap House. Today. No, you're on basic cable. Oh. With me, your girlfriend in perpetuity. You're not Will Meniker? No. <laughs> All right, well, I'll see myself out. Other summer TV we're excited to watch. Jersey Shore. Jersey's, baby. Jersey's, July 11th. We are going to get to see the Stitch's wedding, the wedding prep, and his sentencing. Why is Stitch's hair the color that it is? He looks like a Playmobil doll. He really does. We're going to watch this. You guys are going to hear it. We're going to kind of watch and react to it. And then we're going to compare it. We're going to do some compare and contrasting to the 42nd Hills intro, Hills New Beginnings. And you tell me which one you'd rather watch, okay? Are you talking to me or the audience? Both. All right. Hey, Pachuco! <laughs> That's not a different segment. We're in the oh, same segment. All right, sorry. <laughs> Inappropriate use. One more and you're done. <laughs> okay. Three Pachucos and you're out. All right. Do you think we should... Pause or just watch straight through? Well, we're just going to watch this MF okay. straight through. This is the Jersey Shore Family Vacation trailer. It's about a minute 30. Highly suggest you go watch. But like I said, we're covering weddings, the sitches, sentencing, also the sitches. Uh, Jenny J. Wow's divorce is in here. Obviously, Ronnie and Jen drama. So, yeah. Ron's got his old teeth, I can tell. He doesn't have his new... Describe what we're looking at right here. Uh, it looks like a uh, bad godfather uh, like cosplay episode. Okay. Good enough. Let's get to getting. Tuxedo time! Tuxedo time! Can't believe it's actually here. Oh, it's that wedding song. Oh, it's like speak now. Who was Mike's best man? Probably the three guys. So it looks like they're having some sort of like Western pre-wedding party, but I no, bet Sitch isn't just, allowed to leave the state. They were just doing like the uh, electric slider. No, but like they're all wearing cowboy hats. That's not a cowboy. Cowboy hat. boots. They're definitely doing Western riding, oh, you're literally right. you're riding, right. and we're... he just said howdy, cowboy. Sorry, Snooki just pulled an absolute legend move where the shot just dribbles all the way out of her mouth. We it call, never even made it down the gullet. We call that pulling a Lucas. <laughs> no, we don't. Huh. How much more can you take? Oh, Dina. Oh. 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 Was that Mike that went falling down like a three-story balcony? One decision changed your life. Kidding me? Oh like boy, that's gonna be emotional. Moving on. What is this cowboy theme? Where are they? Are they in like Jackson Hole? I don't think so. It looks like upstate New York. That's what I think. I gotta think the Sitch was not allowed to leave the state between his conviction and his sentence. Yeah, it's probably like Ithaca. Yeah. Why are they dressed like cowboys? To find friends that became family. Oh. Yo, is the judge a female? Maybe she'll be DTF down to forgive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, jokes about a federal prison sentence. Ooh. So, I don't, do I even have to ask? We watching? Yeah. Shah. <laughs> yeah. Shah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need. So this now is another MTV show that I am decidedly less interested in watching. 
this is the Hills New Beginning opening credits. All right. Because the Hills have not have MTV eyes. MTV has not given us any actual like footage from this new season of this like reboot of the Hills. And that means it's probably terrible. No way. It means it's awesome. That they're they're just like keeping all the good footage for the actual show. Oh yeah, that's how it always waste works. Any of it. Yeah. Okay. Here's for the worst 40 seconds of your day. You don't even really need to see with this. You'll just need to hear the terrible thing they did to Natasha Bedingfield. I All had right. the worst 40 seconds of my day in the bathroom about three and a half minutes ago. Gross. So, okay. <laughs> hey, Pachuco! Brody gets top billing for the hills. Interesting. Oh, cool. Spencer's got a crystal up against his head. Oh, Spencer a- looks like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles villain. He looks like the guy whose body Krang is in. Whitney, what are you doing here? Whitney, introducing Misha Barton. I've never heard of that person. Who's Misha Barton? Oh, she, we, we, she needs to be this introduced This is obviously to controversial because Misha Barton is... An actual star? Bit, yeah. But I would argue that there are going to be teenagers watching this who have no clue who Misha Barton is. Okay, there are going to be no teenagers that watch this because no teenagers know who any of those people are. And if they know anybody, it's going to be Misha Barton, not fucking uh, Stephanie. Okay, or if you're 22 Brody. and you started watching The Hills when you were 15 and you were only like eight or nine when the OC was on and then she did nothing with her career, you'll probably know The Hills cast better. Nobody knows the hills and doesn't know the OC. They're, these are like part and parcel. That's why no, she's on the show. No, because it was it was the OC, Laguna Beach, and then like five years after the OC was over the hills. No, yes. the hills rolled right into the end of Laguna Beach. Yes, but the OC was over before the hills premiered. I'd stake my life on it. Okay. Oh, okay. And that's Pamela. Anderson and Tommy Lee's son, Brandon Lee. That's also the name of uh, the guy who died from the crow. I don't care. (laughs) Pamela Anderson's going to be on this. The actor, the famous crow death guy, that's Brandon Lee too. Who's crow? The crow, the movie, his famous movie. I don't, this isn't a movie podcast. The Hills New Beginnings. Don't look up the crow. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know what movie this is. You must have seen like the, at least like this logo before. No, it's 1994. I was three. Okay. <laughs> so no, I haven't. All right. Film stars Brandon Lee in his first in his final film appearance. He died in the movie. Okay, so a guy who died in '94. I'm supposed to care about. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the son of uh, Bruce Lee, so he's famous. Okay, well, this guy's the son of Tommy Lee, so he's also famous. He's Pam Ander- He's Pam Anderson's son. Didn't look like Pam Anderson. Well, no, he doesn't look like Tommy Lee either. He's looks very a handsome. Bit like Tommy Lee. I mean, Tommy Lee's a handsome guy. Mm, okay. Got a big old. I think old I share a birthday with Pamela Anderson. Is that right? I do. And Princess Diana. You know how old she is? Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Fifty-two. Something like that. Do you want to look that up? No. Okay. So, yeah, very mixed bag for MTV offerings. But we're going to be, we're going to be watching Thursdays. Oh, yeah. We'll not probably be watching The Hills. No. We what day wanna... does it come on? Thursday? Mm-hmm. Monday. Like, this coming Monday. Oh, no. I got really important things to watch on Mondays. <laughs> like Paint dry. Triple D reruns. <laughs> okay. How many Triple D reruns do you think we've watched in the last like 36 hours? Over or under 50? <laughs> I would say like seven. Wow. It honestly hasn't been that much. I mean, you fell asleep last night. I, I probably cranked out another 10 Triple Ds while you were asleep. <laughs> All right. Um, from Jersey Shore to Florida Shore, renewed for season three. Welcome back. Welcome back. I, I actually didn't think this was going to happen. No. I big social media push by uh, Sally Ann and all of our friends from the Alabama. I wonder. I'm sure none of them were big enough to make it so that none of them wanted to. Like at least one didn't want to come back. So probably pretty easy sell. 
Also, I feel like they could have just brought him back if there were four of them. Like, No, you gotta have everyone. Gotta have everyone. When can they do a crossover between PDS and Floribama? That would be awesome. They kind of did with the challenge with Maddie and Gus on it. Yeah, that's true. That's about as close as we're going to get. But I mean, like, it was season four that little bit didn't come back to PDS. Yeah. So I feel like this is the last season where we'll get all of them. If they did a crossover, who would Daddy go after as far as chicks? He's like... See, that's why I never really bought that he was into Lil' Bit. I don't think he would go after any of them. I think Lyle would probably go for Courtney. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I see that happening. That'd be great. I could see Maddie... Old Maddie, not like new, not drinking Maddie. Old <laughs> Maddie going Maddie. for like Jeremiah. Yeah. So. Or Gus. Maybe Tiffany and Kodai. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. T- Tiffany think... and Amy are like the same person. I know. <laughs> um, so that's really exciting. And this season they'll be in St. Petersburg, Florida. All right. So from the Panhandle to the Western Coast of Florida. Still Gulf Coast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 150 miles apart. I'm sure the. Well, I'm sure they just kind of wanted to spice it up, but also I can't watch them go to those three terrible bars in PCP anymore. I could watch it a million times. They should have gone to Alabama. They should have done the the Bama part of a Florida and gone to like Muscle Shoals or something. Okay, well, I appreciate MTV not taking production to Alabama and putting any money in their pockets. Well, okay, sure. Because <laughs> if you were able to get political, I'm able to get political. You're right, because Florida, Florida state politics is a lot uh, less controversial. They didn't, pass Ron a DeSantis. To- they didn't pass a total abortion ban. Okay? Okay. okay. <laughs> they should just have the show in Perdido. That's in Alabama. I know. So, no. All right. We need to talk about something very serious. Okay. I'm watching two reality shows right now that are similar, but also wildly different. A Double Shot at Love and The Bachelorette. You're watching A Double Shot at Love, and sometimes you'll watch The Bachelorette with me, correct? Correct, and I think the opposite is also true. I've watched every second of Double Shot at Love, and you'll occasionally tune in when I'm watching that. I think I've watched... I've only missed one episode of A Double Shot at Love. The most recent one. Yes. And the first one. Okay, that's... Fine. <laughs> I, I don't tune in, like, occasionally. I'm a pretty consistent watcher. Why are you bringing this up? Because I want to talk about these two shows and how, despite all of its goofiness, A Double Shot of Love actually is probably a more, like, quality show in terms of letting the leads bond with their suitors. The Bachelorette, every time you read an interview, like, five years after with one of the leads, they're like, you spend maybe 24 hours total over the course of 10 weeks with the person you get engaged to. Yeah. The Bachelor and the Bachelorette is a complete farce. Like, I don't, that's why I don't, I never have gotten it. Like, I find it fun and, like, funny, but, like, the actual, like, romance of it is outrageous. And it takes itself way too seriously. What I appreciate about Double Shot of Love is that they do spend a lot of time with those girls. They'll just go over to the house and hang out with them. And then they do silly challenges, but the challenges are pretty revealing about the women themselves. The most recent one had a a, uh, lie detector challenge. It was very funny. What kinds of things did they ask? This was Wow and Ronnie came to a double shot at love. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it's the dating show with Polly D and Vinny. And they came to the house and kind of grilled the girls using the, like, only lie detector guy in L.A. I think, no, I think it's the Howard Stern lie detector guy. I think that guy's, like, well... Yeah, he's also been on James Corden, like, Carpool okay. Karaoke. He's He is every lie detector person. I'm pretty sure Ronnie just, like, brought, like, a half ounce of fish scale cocaine okay, to his dentist. And was like, I'll take my teeth this color. We're talking about the lie detector. Get to it. Uh, they asked Maria if she'd ever ever had a threesome. She said, no, fail. Uh, they they asked Nick, Nikki if she was in love with Polly. She said yes. Pass. Oh. She asked. Uh, they asked her if she wanted to marry Polly. She said yes. 
Uh, they asked Elise if she was in love with Vinny, and she said no in pass, and Vinny was, like, psyched. He was like, yeah, I'm not in love with her either. That's, like, actually a really good answer. I like her. I want to, like, hang out with her, but it's much less scary that she's not in love with me. Are either of these guys giving off any pretense that they plan to live with, marry with these women? No, not at all. This is going to be, like, Flavor of Love, where they date. Maybe for like a week after the show ends. Oh, I'm not even expecting that. Yeah. What do you think like, is going to happen at the end? Yeah, I, I, Polly's going to pick Nikki and Vinny's going to pick Elise and they're going to kiss and they'll never see each other again probably. What's been the point of the show then? It's funny as shit. But I feel like if The Bachelorette in its, you know, self-serious quest to find matches for these men and women would take some notes from a double shot at love. Have them interact more on just sort of a casual basis. Go over to the Bachelor Mansion and hang out with them more. Do more challenges that actually reveal something about your contestants. Make the 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 host or like the the people that are trying to find love. We call those the leads. The leads make a fool of themselves. Like that's what that's what's great about this show is that Vinny and Polly are more than willing to make themselves look idiotic. And. A Double Shot at Love had a smaller cast to start with, and I think that's what The Bachelorette needs. Every former lead on The Bachelor and Bachelorette has said, I know who my top four were after, like, day two. Well, I mean, isn't it always the case that, like, whoever gets, like, the first impression rose is always in the top four? Like, isn't that usually what happens? For The Bachelorette, the first impression rose winner has gone on to win the last four seasons. All right. Um, So, yeah, I mean... Trim down that cast faster or start with a smaller... Start with 15 dudes. Well, that was also a problem with Double Shot at Love. They they needed to cull the herd much earlier than they did. They, they let a lot of stragglers sort of hang but on But those there. girls were funny and interesting. Sure. I mean, I, I did like B-lashes. <laughs> so, you know. But I just think th- these leads are not spending enough time with contestants. And it shows. But do you think it's a function of... The leads on The Bachelor of the Bachelorette are simply never going to be as charismatic as Vinny and Polly are. I mean, that's hard to do. They are great television personalities. Vinny and Polly D were not that charismatic, or at least Vinny wasn't the first time they ever walked on the Jersey Shore. No, but they have... So they've been doing this for 12 years years of experience. The Bachelorette and Bachelor leads will always only have had eight weeks of being on camera That's what I'm saying. So yeah, they never will be as charismatic. So, you know... Just don't try to make them carry the show. Just have them more interact more one on one. It's just not realistic to like go to a field and sit in a hot tub. Well, also, Vinny is really great on this show because he is so uncomfortable with the entire process and lets that sort of show. Nobody is self aware enough on The Bachelor Bachelorette to be like, uh, I have really bad social anxiety. I really probably shouldn't be around all these people right now. And I really like this one person because I don't feel quite as anxious when I'm with them. Like, that's like the real, like, that is how you pick people in a relationship if you are an anxious person. If I was going to have to give one of these reality shows the more genuine advantage, it would honestly be Double Shot of Love. Double Shot of Love is great. So, you know, that's just my aside. Watch both and let me know what you think. At Basic Cable Pod, Twitter and Instagram, basiccablepod at gmail.com. They're both a fun watch, but it's probably more fun to watch a double shot at love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Summer TV. Speaking of fun watches. Yeah. Um, not Holy Moly yet. Holy Moly, this show let me down. Brilliant conceit. Horrible execution. We have been so excited for Holy Moly. Yes. I was a huge Wipeout fan when Wipeout was airing on ABC. I even applied to go on. (laughs) Kylie and I applied the summer of 2010. And I think the show went off the air that year. And it was just my dream to like run across the big red balls. You know, I felt like I could really do it. I mean, you're actually pretty good at golf. So like if you combine those two things, this is a perfect show for you. Yeah, but the if I was just to say, okay... You're going to watch a show tonight called Holy Moly, and it's like extreme obstacle mini golf. What would you think the- Min golf? Mini golf. What would you think- I think you said min golf. Okay, well- 
What is Use medieval? context clues. I, I get it. It was like, I've, is that a slang I've never heard before? <laughs> anyway, if I were to tell you that was it, what do you think the format of the show would be? What would your ideal format be for a extreme mini golf show? Uh, the same format as actual golf, where you follow the most important players from their first tee shot. No, I'm talking like how many contestants per episode? Six contestants, tops. Six. And they play in groups of? Two. And they play each hole? Yes. Okay. And tell the people what your mini golf philosophy is. <laughs> Garly has done a lot of thinking about mini golf in our relationship. <laughs> I bring this up every summer. <laughs> we love mini golf here in this household. I love regular golf. And I love mini golf. I don't think... You need to play 18 holes of mini golf. How many holes? 12. <laughs> I think it's perfect. That's like your your front nine is your front six and your back nine is your back six. I am usually bored and ready to leave the mini golf course around holes 12 and 13. I don't disagree with you. I do. <laughs> You're always jammed up waiting behind people. Maybe you're losing really bad. Maybe you're like, all these holes are actually the same when you really think about it. Maybe you're at Ocean City and you've been drinking for 72 straight hours <laughs> and you can barely stand. You just, you don't need to play 18. It seems excessive. I Nine agree. is too short. So I think, you know, 12 is the ideal mini golf number. Okay. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know what you think. Would you play... 36 holes of mini golf, 72. Would you play 18 holes five straight days? Is that how you prefer? Just tell me. <laughs> okay. What are we talking? We're talking about holy moly. We're talking right? about holy moly. Anyway, so that's my personal preference for mini golf courses. 12 okay, holes. my preference would have been if this show more mirrored CBS's weekend golf coverage. <laughs> well, that was never going to be what it was. Well, yeah, of course, Jim Nance is going to participate, but they did get Joe Tessitore somehow. <laughs> He's under contract. You didn't fulfill your contract. He's under contract with ESPN. He's the ESPN guy. Yeah, ABC and ESPN are owned by the same. I I know, but he's not a golf guy. He's a football guy. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Poor Tess. So we expected, I kind of expected maybe like 12 holes. (laughs) We were told it would be 10 holes. So I thought it was going to be 10 holes where we follow like two people the whole show, which might have been boring. Yeah. Maybe four. I think six would be too many. Okay. But it was like, it was this weird kind of bracket style where there were six holes and two people played each hole once and then like moved, and then the winner of that hole moved on. It was as if we were watching Ninja Warrior and they sort of edited so we didn't see certain ninjas doing certain like portions of the course. Well, that is how they do. They'll do like montages and stuff. I know, it sucks. <laughs> but I don't like Ninja Warrior either. We got like player bio segments, which no one needs. I don't need them on American Idol, on The Voice. I don't need them on Holy Moly. Just show the person and say where they're from. That's all I care about. <laughs> but they showed the first hole kind of complete. And then they went to the next one. And it was like you had to climb up a hill that was all like slippery which was great like we had like 20 minutes of like a really funny thing where two girls were trying to like compete to get to the top and then they cut to commercial yeah, and, and we never saw them again and they came back and they're like well Haley won that hole we didn't see any of them take a putt that's how the first round went you would just go to someone and they'd be like Lucas, Lucas and Carly Lucas won that hole never showed us any footage from it and it was boring it went by really fast I couldn't keep track of how many people were left or what round we were on. Because the idea is you have 12 contestants, you have six, and then you have three that compete on one final hole. And some of them weren't really obstacles. It was just like kind of a hard hole. Like you had to send it up a wave that kind of brought it over. The holes were great. Like the the obstacles were awesome. I hope you like the holes because those are the same holes we're going to see all summer. I know. This is... How hard is it to get make a Wipe new fucking it, golf course? Just, you, you have you have like twenty holes that you rotate in which ones you use. You don't use the same ten all summer. Wipeout had you know it's eight 
things that it always did, but in different combos for different episodes. The potential is so strong with this show. It could be MXC with mini golf. It could be just say Wipeout. More people know what Wipeout is than MXC. MXC is is what Wipeout wanted to be. MXC is a hundred times funnier than Wipeout. Okay, but MXC is not a show that airs in U.S. television. It did fifteen years ago. Okay. Topical, babe. No. <laughs> Everyone knows what MXC is. Most extreme challenge. Do you challenge. know what MXC is? Let me know. MXC is hilarious. It's a Japanese Gila show. Gila douche. No, it's it's an American parody of a Japanese okay. show. So it's not as funny. It, it's a hundred times funnier. Well, I'm very bummed out. We didn't watch Family Food Fight last night. We're, we're we gonna will watch, watch it, Family yeah. Food Fight. I am so, so psyched about Steph Family Curry Food Steph Curry produces Fight. Holy Moly. His wife, Aisha Curry, produces Family Food Fight, which is sort of like a, a family chopped ish show and apparently it features ladies that pray over their chicken which i'm very much into yes very exciting so we'll talk about that next week okay okay prestige television <clears throat> only now euphoria hey pachuco oh, please don't do that again i will pay you okay to not much? twenty dollars really yes all right okay don't do it again okay <laughs> i don't get, think you'll be I able get, to not can I get it up front no can I get an advance? No, you may not. Like half. You have to not do that the rest of the episode. Okay. <laughs> so Euphoria has been the show that HBO is like, do not delete your uh, HBO Go account. We've got Euphoria. <laughs> Please watch Euphoria. Starring Zen Diagram. Yes. <laughs> That's funny because this was a joke that we made on the episode I, I will always think this is funny you didn't think it was funny the last time either. i didn't but what would you say like the log line for euphoria is well that's kind of what's interesting about it is that i don't think the, the i don't think hbo explained what it was about and they also ran the first episode of the show last week and i'm still not entirely sure what it's about like well, now that we've watched it, we can say it's about a teenager, Zendaya, who is a drug addict. I know you have qualms with that phrase. Yep. Um, kind of in the summer, but like right before her junior year or senior year or something. I think it's, She's just yeah, gotten out of junior rehab. To senior. Um, and she makes a new friend, this um, trans girl named Jules. And it's just sort of about like. I guess it's, raunchy teenagers. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if if, if if we were to try to put like a pin in it, it would be about teenagers behaving poorly, right? Yes, and none of it rings true to me. And there is a generational gap. It's been ten years since I've been a teenager, but I just want to say I never saw any of this happen. Well, I mean, you should probably consider yourself lucky because I saw a lot of things in this show that I could trace back to my own life. Well, it reminded me of, I saw the movie 13, uh, written by Nikki Reed, starring Evan Rachel Wood. I saw that when I was... Go home, Evie. Go home, Evie. Go home, Evie. (laughs) I saw that when I was 11 and I was like, holy shit, there is some... There is some stuff coming down. Wait to the go over pipe. to my neighbor's house and do bong hits. Yeah, like in two years. Start I blowing am... guys. Okay, gross. But I was like, whoa, is this what it's like? And spoiler alert, it wasn't. Spoiler alert, it was. I also really like 13. And I was I was probably 15 when 13 came out, and I was like, this is spot fucking on. We had such different experiences. 13, I You still... mean Holly Hunter wasn't your mom? I did not even take my first drink until I was 14. I don't think I smoked any weed until I was 15 or 16. So... Oh, I want to hear about your first weed smoking experience. I don't actually remember, like, what was my first time. Okay. I I genuinely don't. I don't... uh, Maybe I was old. Maybe I was older than 16. Maybe I was 17. And I smoked with some of the guys that were on my golf team in one of their cars (laughs) after practice. Was it a bowl or a J? It was a bowl. I think it was wooden. A wooden bowl. Nice. And 
Was it one of those ones that like has like a little like fold out thing where you can like put it over the bowl so it, it like, I like don't puts rem- the the flame out? I do not remember. That was like a classic wooden bowl thing. Yeah, no, I I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, I, I really was into a lot of what Euphoria is doing. I, yeah, so it just it none of it rang true to me. I like. I, I mean, there aren't just, like, masses of teenage kids getting out of rehab buying pills on the street in L.A. who come from middle-class families. That's just not happening. You thought that took place in L.A.? Yeah. Mm-mm. Where did it take place? Florida. There were... The license plate was a California license plate. I'm pretty sure it's Florida. No, those tall palms are California. Okay. I I mean, we, we can agree to disagree. I think, I think it doesn't have a specific spe- sense of place, but the... License plate you see on the car when it drives your way is California. Okay. So. Well, I really appreciated the Rue character from this show. And I love the first, like, five minutes of, of the show. There's a montage where Rue talks about her birth. She talks about her diagnoses as far as her mental health goes. There's a really interesting scene where, you know, she gets diagnosed with acute anxiety and clinical depression and borderline personality disorder and potentially, you know, bipolar disorder. And the doctor's just like, here, take all these pills. And the mom's like, okay, you know, this, this is a solution for all of our problems. And she gives her kid the pills, which of course is not a solution to all their problems. And she ultimately realizes that she's probably better off, you know, self-medicating, which is a decision that I think a lot of teenagers ultimately make, which is one that I've never seen on TV before, which I really appreciated. Which is? Which is that it's it's a legitimate and common thing for teenagers who have been prescribed a lot of medication over the years who may have mental issues but aren't convinced that traditional psychotropic drugs are going to be the solution end up deciding that, that they're better off self-medicating. that's something that rings so true to me. All right. I mean, I get the parents are kind of overdiagnosing quick to, and that's a very kind of early aughts thing. Yeah. Because in the nineties, early aughts. Yeah. I mean, I, my parents definitely were like therapy. And when I was a teenager and medication, but I was already 15. I I wasn't like five, like the girl. See, I, I, I can I can identify with that. I can identify with being, you know, a person that's not able to make decisions for themselves and gets a bunch of shit forced down their throats. And then ultimately when they're 14 or 15 decide, you know what? Actually, weed and ecstasy kind of work a little bit better. So I'll try that for a while. Does it work long term? No, of course not. But do, as a 14 year old, do you think it does? Absolutely. So I, I really appreciated that. Okay, so earlier I said I called Rue a drug addict. Yes. Tell me why you, you know, don't don't cotton with that. I think that Rue has a drug problem, obviously, because one of the big plot points in the first episode is that she has an overdose of something and goes to rehab. But I don't think that she's necessarily a drug addict. I think that she's somebody that uses drugs and likely misuses drugs, but she is taking research chemicals. She's smoking weed. She's not taking oxy. She's not smoking crack. She's not shooting up dope in the high school bathroom, which is certainly something that people that I know from high school were doing who are actual drug addicts. I I, I think that, that Rue has an interesting relationship with drugs, and a problematic relationship with drugs, but I would not describe her as a traditional drug addict. I thought you had some really interesting takes about her little sister. I think Gia is one of the more interesting characters, especially given that she only got like three or four scenes and like only like two or three like lines. But she, I think, is like the most sort of heartbreaking and realist character in the show in that anybody who is a younger sibling of some a, a teenager who is dealing with these sort of issues can probably see a little bit of themselves in this. She's both enamored with her sister and horrified by her, by her sister. She wants to emulate her sister in a lot of ways, but also knows that her sister is being extremely 
um, you know, self-destructive. So, like, th- there was one scene that really didn't have any dialogue, but uh, after uh, Rue gets back from, from rehab and they go to school together, Gia is just so psyched to take a selfie with Rue in the back of the, uh, in the, back of the, the school bus and is just thrilled about it. But, like, it, it, like I said, th- this is another thing that really rang true to me. Th- this sort of relationship between a younger sibling who looks up to their older sibling but also is terrified by what they're doing. I am really impressed by Jules's performance. Me too. Um, Jules is the trans girl character I was talking about. I believe she's actually played by a trans teenage girl maybe she's old enough to be. I'm not sure what age is but but the first part is tr- correct yes. it is a, a trans woman I don't know what how old she is though um very pretty I mean it's not immediately clear that she's a transitioning teen um there are some obvious clues she's giving herself injections um she's you know doesn't have like a very womanly body but she's very got a very feminine face pretty long hair sure. um you know I thought she was very, very compelling. And her yeah, deal is she's new to town and she's on like grinder and hinge and all that. And she goes to hook up with an older man, dominant daddy. Well, let me ask you the, real quick. Her, I think her performance is really interesting because she simultaneously seems extraordinarily confident in herself in that like she's able to be a teenager who is openly trans like and you know has a relationship with her dad where you know her dad respects and understands you know her her gender identity and all that kind of stuff but she's also so i i guess kind of lacks confidence because she goes like she she achieves sort of her sexual desires by being essentially taken advantage of by older men online. Yes, she. Her name is Hunter Schaefer. I'm trying to look at her age. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of what plays it. She's new to town. It's hard to move to a new city when you're um, when you're anything, especially of no, somebody who's going to. I said it's hard to move to a new town when you're a teenager in the summer. Right. You don't have school. Is that built-in way to meet people? And she's exploring her own gender identity, her own sexual identity. She's a. You know, she's identifying as a woman who is interested in men. Yeah. Um, but she's having relations with men who are looking for, I think specifically, trans women. Well, I I, I, I think the trans thing is less important than the underage thing. Well, I think I mean, she might be involved with men that are looking to be involved with well, children. She told she told dominant daddy Eric Dane that she was twenty. The the underage thing is obviously a, going to come back in a huge way because. The man she has sex with, even though she told him she was 20. Is it McSteamy? It is McSteamy. Sweet. Even though she told him he's, she was 20, she's clearly not, and he clearly didn't care. But he's also the father of one of the high schoolers she'll be attending school with. And has a very violent confrontation with at the party. Which was the probably single biggest scene that did not ring true to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that... Nate is a cartoon. He's a cartoon villain. Well, there's obviously... You know, from what I've read, there's going to be some, like, repressed, you know, sexuality issues for Nate, which is probably why he's such a cartoonishly evil well, villain right, right I mean, now. yeah, the, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree as far as Nate and McSteamy goes. We, that's, yeah, I mean, they're, they're foreshadowing that for sure. But... But it is so scary. I mean, he's just... He's all pissed off because he's, you know, there's a ridiculous sentence, watching his ex-girlfriend have sex in the pool... Sorry, that doesn't happen at high school parties. Where are people getting this shit? Anyway, um, and he goes in and he just catches Jules, like, looking at him while he's having this tantrum. And he pretty much gets in her face, really threatens her. And she turns the tables and, like, grabs a knife and starts threatening him. Cuts her own arm. The way that that resolved itself, I was really into. Like, that was, like, a badass way to, like, de-escalate the situation well, well, it was hilarious because she's like, oh, and I'm Jules. I'm the new girl, by the way. Bye. That was great. <laughs> it was amazing. So she does have a lot of confidence yes. and sense of self and that she's able to stand up to a, you know, uh, terrible, Bully. self-hating, violent man and, you know, not cower. Well, okay. So you mentioned that the 
pool, the public pool sex thing was completely unrealistic, which I also agree with. What do you think about the other sort of sexual aspects of this show? Because, like, the criticism of this show has been that it's gratuitous, it's over the top, but I don't think it's any more or less over the top than Kids was, which I really loved when I was a teenager, than you mentioned 13, Skins. I think it's going to get worse. I mean, the only kind of major sexual standout moments were her, you know, having that encounter with McSteamy, which was, you know, graphic in the way that we saw his fully erect penis. <laughs> it was a prosthetic, of course. But was it? It was. Okay. Um, and, you know, that was rough sex for her that I don't think was enjoyable. Then didn't we, seem like it, although, who knows? I mean, that it seemed it like... Statutory either way. Well, doesn't sure. matter. Yeah, okay. Then the girl cat who is getting kind of pressured by the the boys um into you know it's just such it's so weird it to me it does not ring true that girls are trying to be slutty or like it's a badge of honor yeah. because the girl he's like oh you're either a prude or a slut and i do agree that in high school there are those very unnuanced ways of looking up at girls like you're either a skank and you've had sex with a lot of people or you know, you're a prude and you've never had sex. There's a scene from kids that is very, very similar to that in that there's a house party and there's like younger brothers that it's a very similar scene. But I, you know, but I'll say like at my high school, pretty large, public, diverse high school, if you had sex with like one person who wasn't your boyfriend, it kind of labeled you slutty. But it's it seems like to me that's okay with them. Like, and maybe that's a generational thing. Maybe. Um, and then, uh, the girl from Everybody Sucks and had a bit of a, uh, arc on The Handmaid's Tale, Sydney Sweeney. Um, there's a terrible, terrible scene before this house party where the guys are ragging on this one guy for liking this girl, Cassie. And they're like, oh, she's such a slut. Have you seen her slut page? And like... The this, guy who's, who was hosting the party, yeah, whose this, house it was. I, in my heart, I just know it's true based on how terrible people are, but the fact that guys are like, holding on to pick like naked photos of girls poor teenagers do not have an understanding of permanency on the internet well okay so that's the thing that i think is probably actually really accurate that we don't really just have a good grasp on and that's where we're sort of old curmudgeons is that like i i would imagine that the sort of sexting and and those sort of aspects of the show actually are pretty spot on no i unfortunately feel like i i know that's true i mean we've talked to a woman whose daughter got like her phone taken and then someone distributed naked pics from her phone and she didn't realize she could get in trouble for that at school i mean people are snapchatting and instagramming naked photos of themselves not realizing that like guys are saving these putting them into encrypted apps and it's just it's not going away it's not staying between the person you sent it to and yourself and it's really scary and it's sad and you know they really got into this guy's head that she was a huge slut and that she really liked it rough. That was a really graphic sex scene. But I thought that was actually probably pretty accurate, too. I mean, kids likely... It talked about how much porn yeah. kids that age are watching. Yeah, I mean, if, if you go from somebody who's my age in their early 30s who, you know, scrounged around for Playboy magazines in their stepdad's closet when they were a kid and then, like, had to wait 45 minutes for, like you know, one picture of Pam Anderson's boobs to load in on the internet in, like, you know, 1995, that's a lot different than somebody who grows up, you know, from the the minute they're even the slightest bit sexually mature to having access to, like, the most raunchy, you know, hardcore pornography. I, I would imagine that probably does do something to the way that you view regular sexual activities. Yeah. So to answer your first question, I don't think it's, overly gratuitous yet i hear there's an episode where we're gonna see like 32 penises can't wait <laughs> i know you can't uh it says you also didn't really buy the idea that this kid would be like a little soundcloud rapper drug dealer oh yeah that part was stupid but i did like the older fesco was great yeah he i, I never really was into mac miller's music but clearly i knew what he looked like and he looks so much like him it makes me worried about this character's trajectory I, I I think his the the ambiguity of his performance is really interesting because I don't think 
And we're talking about Fesco, the older drug dealer, yes. the the guy that that uh, Rue has a conversation with on the couch at the party. And he clearly cares about her. He does. He clearly cares about you know humanity, but also is he a stoner? Is he does he have a, a head injury? He's got a giant scar on the side of his head. Is he just slow? You, what 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 sort of is his deal? And the fact that it's not immediately apparent is actually like a really interesting part of that performance. So we're in. Yeah. We're going to keep watching. New episode tomorrow. Okay. We are about 15 minutes in. You get like 10 minutes to talk about Too Old to Die Young. I can't contribute to this conversation other than to say I watched maybe like the first 20 minutes. I found myself watching 45 minutes. I don't understand this show. I can't tell you what it's about. I don't think I like it. It seems very long and boring. Um, it's, it, it is very long and it is very boring, but it's probably the single most exciting piece of television pop culture that I've seen in since like season five of Game of Thrones. Like it, it's Brilliant and it's Ugh. great. Okay, too old to die young. Nick- too old to die young is the television property of Nicholas Winding Refn. Tell who, people where they can watch it. You can watch it on Amazon, and I would really encourage everyone to watch it. And in case you don't know who Nicholas Winding Refn is, he is the director and creator of Drive, the Ryan Gosling vehicle. You're gonna want to go faster. You're running out of time here. All right. Well, it's it's an interesting show to talk about alongside Euphoria because there are some similarities, even though the shows aren't really similar at all. You need to say this first part. Oh, okay. (laughs) First off, Too Old to Die Young is the best name for a television show that I've ever heard. And I had I written an autobiography at the age of 26 or 27, I would have called it that if I had thought of it. It's brilliant. You're such a douche. You're such a douche. And I... And I recognize that Drive and Nicholas Winning Refn is sort of a douchey thing. It's like Big Lebowski in that it's been fucking taken over by frat boys and that it's sort of hard to recognize it as being a beautiful piece of art in which it kind of is. But so many douches like it. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I will keep it rolling as slowly as I'd like to. I'll I'm just going, turn off the microphone. I'm, I'm going to keep it in. Can you just go? I can't contribute to this. So this is boring for people. It's not boring for people. They want to hear me talk. No, they don't. (laughs) So Euphoria is about drugs, right? Yeah, I guess. Too Old to Die Young feels like drugs. An episode of this show is like a drug experience. It's dreamlike. It's hallucinatory. It's psychedelic. It's beautiful. It's scary. It's emotional. It's just a slow, slow burn. And the, 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 I guess the log line is Miles Teller plays a cop who gets sort of sucked into the L.A. underworld. But that's not really even what it's about because Miles Teller doesn't show up in most of it. Like it, each, each episode is about an hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah. And each episode is... They're so long. It's so douchey when like television people are like, yeah, my my show's like an, an, an a ten hour movie. That's horrible. I, I I agree that that's douchey. However, this actually is that. Every episode is a movie, and it can be watched in any order. What they did in Cannes is they showed episode four and episode five in Cannes as just like standalone things. And you didn't get the first episode, you didn't get the pilot, you didn't get the second or third episode. They just showed the fourth and fifth episodes. It's so great. So, let me tell you why it's so great. Miles Teller, he plays a character named Martin. He's an L.A. Sheriff's deputy. He is sort of the evil twin of Ryan Gosling's drive character. They're both, you know, quiet, opaque you know, strong, silent type, tough guys with mysterious motivations. But Driver, the Ryan Gosling character, is sort of driven, for lack of a better term, by this sort of righteousness, while Teller is almost pure evil. 
everything about him is just disgusting and creepy. And it sort of flies in the face of the modern golden age television trope of the anti-hero. It's, he's not Tony Soprano. He's not Walter Wright because both of those people have glimmers of actually. That's what I said. You said Wright. Walter White. They have glimmers of humanity. And Walter White's story starts as him being a, you know, lovable science teacher that's trying to just make money for his family. Miles Teller character is as if Walter White was introduced in the third season after he had already broken bad and was completely irredeemable. There's nothing likable about Miles Teller at all. He just sort of completely strips down the anti-hero trope. So then, why are you supposed to care? That's the thing. Is that's what I'm like? Why do I care about this show? Because it's beautiful, Uh and because it's interesting, and because there's. I'm sorry. What you have described to me does not sound interesting to me. Okay, but what I'm saying is that listeners, basic, basic boys and basic girls. If you trust me, you know that there's if there's one thing that I like more than anything in the world, it's boring television shows where it's just people talking to each other slowly, right? Mm-hmm. This is the best example of that since, like, Deadwood. Deadwood is not that interesting of a show. Like, the, the, the plot doesn't really make any difference. It's just interesting having characters interact with each other. It's beautiful. The setting's cool. Same can sort of be said for this. It's awesome. I am so excited about it, and I'm more excited about this show than I have been about many shows in recent memory. Also, Billy Baldwin's a fucking tour de force. He's got <laughs> he's got like three scenes, and they're all so hilarious. So Lucas would really like. I can hear that vape so hard over the microphone. <laughs> Lucas would really like. One of you to watch this and talk to him about and it. And I recognize that I haven't probably done a good job selling it because there's no sales pitch for this show. This this show does not well, have like... okay. Back up. What made you want to watch it? Uh, because I love Drive and I love Miles Teller. Okay. I so... think Miles Teller is probably the most underrated actor in Hollywood. I, I think he's great in everything. Okay. I thought you didn't like him. What are you talking about? You know Spectacular Now is, like, my favorite movie. God, one time Lucas and I tried to watch Spectacular Now together, but he was really high and really annoying, and I had to leave. Okay, so I was exactly like Miles Miles Teller's character in that movie, except I didn't force you to get hit by a car. (laughs) Yeah. No, you weren't, because you were 10 years older than his character in that movie. All right, I see a lot of myself in that uh, young Miles Teller character. All right, but please, yeah, someone watch this. Or not. I don't care. I'll still watch it. No, if you like Drive, you like Miles Teller. It's beautiful. The sound design's great. It's neon colors. It's drugs. It's violence. It's sex. But it's also very, very, very boring. (laughs) Which is cool with me. When should people watch this? Like, you have to carve out, like, two hours at a time to watch, right? Yes, so I would suggest anybody who lives in a state with legal marijuana uh, carve out between like the hours of like 8.30 and 10.30 to watch like the first episode. Take yourself, uh, you know, like 20 milligrams of edibles, roll yourself up a nice fatty and just settle in. Please smoke responsibly. Yeah, yeah, smoke responsibly. Of course. Okay. All right, you came in under time. Congrats. (laughs) That's it for this week. We're going to hit Big Little Lies next week, Family Food Fight, maybe The Hills New Beginnings, maybe not. Do you think it would be better if it was called Family Feud Fight? I guarantee that is. Um, well, it doesn't. Family Feud Fight, A, is probably you know copyrighted. You probably can't use any Family Feud. And B, it doesn't articulate that there's a cooking aspect. Family feud fight is really redundant. That's family fight fight. What if they or family spelled it, feud feud? What if they spelled it F O O and then like an umlaut U? No, they should have named it family food feud. Ooh, now <laughs> now you're talking. Because family feud fight is redundant. 
like you just said. Like like Bao Bun had a meltdown of the fucking TV over in the Lucas episode almost picked up our D. TV and threw it out the window because they kept saying Bao Bun. And guys like, what does Bao Bun mean? It and means bun guy. He was, he was like, it's Chinese, it's not Korean. <laughs> Don't watch cooking shows with Lucas. <laughs> He'll get really mad. All right. So, you know, I've plugged it a couple times, but reach out to us on social media. Let us know you're listening. Let us know what we can do to make this show better. We love you guys. Just replace me, I know. That's what they're going to say. No. I'm feeling very self-conscious lately. The only comment we've ever gotten that has been critical was about me. So you don't need to be self-conscious. Okay, cool. But we want to know that you're out there. Summer TV is great. There's so much TV. We're still looking for people to tell us about pop culture blind spots you know no one's given us one because i refuse to hear peaky blinders as one it's not <laughs> but you know things like Shit's creek killing eve let us know what we should watch Ooh, uh that uh uk crazy eater show Ooh, i really want to watch that what's it called freaky eaters freaky eaters aka the crawly yeah. story also if you know how to watch freaky eaters yeah let us know we can't find it i'm Probably we could watch it on YouTube, but that's not my favorite way to watch TV shows. It's really not. Yeah, just be, be prepared for a full episode on Freaky Eater sometime. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much for listening. Pray to God this didn't go bad with the technical difficulties again. And we will talk to you next week. Come on, Ford. Basic Cable is hosted and produced by Lucas and Carly. Reach out to us over email, basiccablepod at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram at basiccablepod. Music you hear at the beginning and end of our episodes provided courtesy royalty-free of Ben Sound Music. Go listen to his tunes at bensound.com.